the cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace, progressing toward the green peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur, as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. Let's make that climb together up the, the green, green peak. peak with your host, Richard Zwicky. Well, welcome, everybody. I'm Richard Zwicky, uh, founder and CEO of Plena Global. And joining me today on the Green Peak is Jeff Samuels, head of cannabis and hemp at Embroker, which is an insurtech uh, company based in San Francisco, Chicago, Boston, New York. So really right across the U.S., Jeff. And uh, tell us a little bit about uh, about your firm and, uh, you know, obviously with the name InsureTech in there, it uh, leads people in a direction. But uh, why don't you define what exactly you're doing because that's a challenge for the industry. Absolutely. Um, so Mbroker, as we just said, is uh, a brokerage, uh, but we have taken that to the next level by applying technology uh, and in-house underwriting to create efficiencies uh, basically across the insurance landscape and make it easier for uh, clients, not just in cannabis, but in areas like technology, real estate, legal, uh, to purchase policies, to uh, update and amend policies uh, and then renew them on a yearly basis. And so our goal is to make that as seamless uh, and as clean as possible. And we believe we're doing that uh, through our use of uh, both human capital and, and people like myself who are subject matter experts, and then the mix of technology on the back end as well to uh, make that more seamless and, and just speed up the process. Yeah. And so, I mean, for anybody who's been participating in the industry, insurance is a is a challenge and it's a challenge as a private company entering the space in terms of uh, your access to coverage. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, not just for, you know, GNL is one thing and that's pretty straightforward we found, but when you get into directors and uh, liability and officers liability, that's a whole other area and it's incredibly expensive, but also limited. What, what are you seeing changing and how do you see the public versus private market evolving over the next little while for insurance? Sure. Um, yeah. So, you know, insurance is obviously not the uh, the sexiest part of the business, but if you look at states, uh, and especially on the application process, so if you look at Illinois or Mass or even New Jersey, um, all these states are requiring insurance as part of the business plan and as something to uh, have in place once those businesses are licensed. Um, so obviously a, a critical part of, of any sound uh, plan um, and I personally have been uh, working in this space for five and a half years now. So I've, I've seen a lot of changes, uh, whereas five and a half years ago, it was much harder to get uh, products placed and to just kind of explain a business model to underwriters. Um, I think that has obviously advanced. And uh, not only are there, there are more insurance products available, but there are more uh, brokers and companies that are knowledgeable about the cannabis and hemp space in general. Um and so, you know, as that evolves, we're looking at um, creating better coverage for um, your plant touching companies, obviously much different than your ancillary or non-plant touching companies. Um, so that gets a, a bit more nuanced. Um, but again, I, I think that the most important thing that I'm seeing is as new states are issuing licenses, this is something that's required. It has to be part of the business plan. Uh, and we believe, you know, times like now is, is the perfect example as to why, you know, insurance is, is something that needs to be part of the conversation uh, as companies are getting set up or as companies are, are scaling. Um, so, yeah, a, a critical piece 
Um, Richard, is it, is it helpful if I go through some of the coverages that companies are looking at? Well, uh, it's always going to be helpful, but I'm actually looking at it from the perspective, and I think listeners are going to be, you know, as people are working through the industry, when you're a private company in the space, even with a license, it's much more difficult to access insurance coverage sure. than as a private company, but your liabilities also change as a public company versus private. Sure. Yeah, and I think, you know, again, it goes back to the business model. Are you a dispensary? Are you a manufacturer? Are you a seat-to-sale company? And so all of that kind of goes into how we assess the risk of the, the business. Um, there is a, a big difference, not only in the types of coverage, but uh, the cost is significantly more uh, private versus public, um, and specifically around directors and officers. Uh, so you're correct. There, there is a ton of, of obviously liability as you enter those public markets. Um, and for our, our private companies, you know, for me, it's more about kind of teaching them, you know, this is, you know, the next 12 months and these are the, the coverages that will come up. Um, you know, I think it's important if you're advising a brand new startup businesses to not jam every single insurance policy down their throat, but really act as a liaison, as a partner to say, okay, you know, these are the milestones you need to think about in terms of hiring, in terms of fundraising, opening your doors, uh, and all those different milestones have different insurance implications. And so it's it's similar on the public side where, you know, obviously if somebody is buying a SPAC or IPOing for the first time or, you know, executing on an M&A deal, these all have different insurance triggers. Uh, so I think it, it goes back to the relationship with the clients and the broker, uh, and especially the, the broker's ability to break down that business model and truly understand the industry, uh, which is, again, something that, that we pride ourselves on. And um, my team is specifically within Mbroker. Again, we, we bring a wealth of uh, knowledge and experience to the space. Yeah, and I mean, let's, you know, it makes an incredible difference as companies are looking at and procuring their insurance, the quality of the broker they work with. And it's a, you know, it's really a great broker looks at your entire portfolio and figures out what you need and how you should structure it because otherwise people end up with duplicative coverage in some areas, spending too much in others, but also underinvesting. And okay. it is an investment. I think that's something most people don't understand is it's an investment in protection. Right. And, uh, you know, obviously with your focus, that's that's heavily into um, into that. But what what do you see as the difference and how do you see it evolving today between coverage for somebody that's in the medical cannabis space versus a pharmaceutical or medical industry space in terms of what they can access, but also cost wise? Because companies need to plan. Yep. Yeah, and I think, you know, obviously once once you're in the cannabis space, you're kind of in this bucket of um, you have to work with non-admitted carriers. Um, and so insurance, without getting too deep into it, um, you have your admitted carriers and non-admitted carriers. Your admitted carriers will typically write a restaurant, um, software as a service can now fit into these admitted carriers and a pharmaceutical company, maybe a Pfizer or something like that. They have traditional business models and they have a history of losses uh, and, and controls so that it's easier to underwrite um, through these larger markets. And so cannabis, you know, the last 10 plus years has historically been underwritten by uh, what we call non-admitted or surplus lines markets. Um, largely the history there starts with Lloyds of London 
um, and, and kind of writing business models that are new or unique and don't have a ton of data behind them. And so cannabis kind of fits in, in that bucket being non-admitted, um, meaning the products and the carriers that are willing to underwrite them are much different than a larger pharmaceutical company. Um, so at, at that, um, you know, obviously a different experience. Uh, but as I mentioned a little bit earlier, um, now the underwriters have been doing this for a good enough amount of time that they're getting more comfortable um, writing more unique, more custom coverage, um, getting more granular on how they cover crops or how they cover um, the different vegetative states of the plant. Um, so stuff like that is improving. Um, and I also think it, it brings us to a discussion on the federal level because um, for the insurance side of the things, um, if and when you know the, the federal legalization occurs, that opens up insurance to now be underwritten by admitted markets, and that changes the game. Whole new slew of carriers, uh, meaning more products or more optionality for our clients to, to choose from. Of course, and you know, also goes to speak as that happens, it becomes a safer industry for everybody in every which way you want to look at it. And we should come back to that after the break. I think we have to head to our first break now and uh, we'll be back again in uh, just a couple of minutes with Jeff Samuels, who's the head of cannabis and hemp at Embroker. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Dazed and infused. Join sugar industry expert Latham Woodward for a happier hour each week for a lively and often hilarious discussion on the infusion of cannabis into food, beverages, and life. Explore exciting new culinary landscape trends with fascinating friends and guests who are leading the industry into the uncharted mainstream. Discover curated menus, enhanced cocktails, and live tastings. Life's a little sweeter here on Dazed and Infused. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success. Cannabis Radio is back with more of the Green Peak. And we're back on the Green Peak with Jeff Samuels, head of cannabis and hemp at Embroker. And 
Uh, Jeff, as we, um, you know, go through it and talk about it, what, you know, the, the market, as you said, continues to evolve and federal legalization will make a massive difference to companies trying to access. But it's been a problem for companies internationally, not just in the U.S., is the uncertainty and uh, aspects of it. And I know as a Canadian firm, if we had any U.S. operations, we wouldn't be able to get coverage. Um, and that's true of any company that's dealing internationally. And that's that's challenging. Now, it's very easy for us to exclude the U.S. from our applicable markets. But, of course, it's a massive one to go after when that changes. But, you know, for now, we're just excluding it. That makes it challenging for a, uh, insurance brokers who have to worry about those kinds of geographic boundaries and following the chain of product as it uh, circulates around the world. But, you know, as you've said, one, you know, inter- insurance is one of the oldest industries in the world um, in different ways and people looking at it. And it's one that's uh, continued to develop. But why and what parts of it do you really need to look at as you're developing a cannabis-based industry and looking for optimizations? Where do you see the insurance being overlooked early on that companies need to focus on? Because there's a lot to look at, but what do they need? Sure. Yeah, I think it's a great question. And, and you know, obviously, as you're talking about multinational companies, uh, it brings complex um, corporate structures, which is again a, another way that we kind of approach in analyzing the insurance. Um, you know, I, I think one that a lot of companies um, kind of put um, later on in their their purchasing cycle, or just kind of all all in all, forget about it, is cyber liability. Um, you know, cyber liability in today's time, we're resuming right now. Um, obviously, with the seed to sale companies. Uh, and people more on the ancillary and the tech side of things, they're they're thinking about cyber. But I think that the plant touching companies are are missing that. Um, and it traditionally, there, there's actually a lot of optionality there. Um, there's a bunch of carriers that quote it and they are willing to uh, quote for the space. Uh, and the cost is actually not huge. So I think because you know a lot of the premium, a lot of the work to underwrite a vertically integrated company comes looking at the general liability, the product liability, the property, and that's usually the majority of the cost or maybe the directors and officers. Things like cyber uh, and even maybe something like a, a crime policy kind of fall by the wayside uh, sometimes and, and and it's easy enough to get. And I think a, you know any good broker should uh, be cognizant of that and that should be something that's included in the discussion early on. Um, so yeah, I'd say cyber um, crime or fidelity bonds, which are basically uh, covering um, internal employees if they have access to cash or product. Uh, so just common um, risks that we see in the industry. Uh, so on the on the crime bond side, um, and I think Sorry, on the on the which bond side. Uh, so a, a fidelity bond, or also known as a crime policy. Okay, thank you. Um, yep, and I think that the one other one I'll leave us with, uh, which is broader than just uh, cannabis, is employ- employment practices liability. Um, you know, that covers and, and you know, it's, it's a fairly broad coverage, but anything from an HR practice perspective, you're hiring, firing, uh, wrongful termination, discrimination, things like that. Um, I think especially in today's climate with COVID, it's important. Obviously, a lot of people are unfortunately getting furloughed or um, being handled in different ways by their companies. Uh, and so employment practices is one of those policies that if there is some mismanagement on the business's behalf, 
Um, I think that can be a critical coverage that's not uh, usually talked about in the first phase of uh, insurance. Well, and that's something which, you know, with the current health crisis, which, you know, is probably going to extend through the rest of the year um, in waves, you know, the the workload for people who are able to participate or, you know, is going to go up. Yeah. And because you, you know, you have less access to the support and more necessity to get things done, which leads towards mistakes. And those mistakes can have all sorts of outcomes. But from a, from a perspective of, you know, they are mistakes, but they are going to need to be covered along the way. How do you think the industry is going to be dealing and how do you think that uh, the industry is going to be impacted by those mistakes that are forced upon by a, you know, a shortage of resources in this time? It's a great question. And, and I think obviously we'll, we'll see in the coming months and, and years how this plays out. Um, but I think, you know, most importantly, uh, what, what I'm seeing is not necessarily mistakes, but people having to quickly pivot their business models. Um, and so, you know, for a client in Nevada, for example, we, we have a large uh, vertically integrated multinational client that their dispensary only in Nevada. And so overnight they had to switch into delivery and for them to do that and change the business model, they had to acquire about 30 different vehicles. Some of them they purchased, some of them they leased. And then the problems arise from them trying to rapidly kind of meet those demands of the consumer and figure out, okay, you know, how do we ensure the auto policies? How does this impact our general liability and, and different coverages they have in place? So, you know, obviously people are, are trying to be as thorough as possible. So I think that the mistakes come from the rapid changes in the business model and the different states um, saying, okay, these are essential businesses, which is amazing. But at the same time, you know, the, the rapid change of putting the right insurance and putting the right risk in, uh, management in place to go delivery only or to change um, just the supply chain in general um, is, is tremendous. So I, I think... If we do see mistakes and claims come in, I think it's because of those rapid uh, business advancements um, due to, to the coronavirus. Yeah, and you know, actually that brings up something which in uh, this industry, I don't know in the States, but in many areas, you can't get business interruption insurance in this space. How do you see that changing and how do you see that? Um, is it going to be harder across the board because so many businesses are applying for it in other industries or do you think it's just going to remain status quo, but prices may go up? So uh, another great question, obviously, and I, I think this is probably the most important topic when it comes to insurance right now. Um, as many people know, you know, business interruption is a kind of sub coverage within a property policy. Um, and the main thing there is there has to be clear damage to property to be able to make those business uh, interruption or business income claims. You know, the other issue I think companies are running into is that um, you know, some carriers, a, a large majority of them have a virus exclusion. With all of that said, um, if you go back to 9-11 and look at what happened to the insurance industry during those days, um, they band together and they put something together called TRIA, which is the Terrorism Risk uh, Insurance Association. And it's basically a, um, a coverage that is offered on every policy. Uh, it's a nominal cost. So it's you know, even if somebody's paying $100,000, the cost to add TRIA is, is usually fairly low in the hundreds of dollars. Um, and it's something that, uh, at least in the U.S., they it's federally mandated to offer that. 
So I, I think a lot of um, companies are, are talking about this. It's still not definitive that on a federal level they're doing that. Um, but I think you know the carriers are coming together. They're looking at this. They understand that you know people have made investments into these policies. And although in many of them it's clearly stated that this is excluded, you know they want to be able to pull together and, and do something to offer whether it's coverage rec- retroactively or on the go forward to avoid this in the future. So I think this is something that we'll see shaken out. You know, yes, I, I do think in some instances it could potentially increase um, the cost, but at the same time, you know, a property value, if you're insuring a million dollar building, it's a million dollar building. So, you know, I, I think um, there's a lot of eyes on this on the federal level. Um, it's been talked about on the state level as well. I can tell you every day I've gotten an email from a different state department of financial services. Um, so M broker is licensed in all 50 states as am I to do business. And, and basically every single day we're getting communications from uh, the financial uh, sector in that state, giving us instructions or kind of telling us what is being discussed. Um, so it, it's not yet defined, but I think those are the things they're looking at. And I think TRIA and looking at 9-11 uh, that specifically is really interesting and, and I think could be comparable to what happens after uh, the COVID crisis is is hopefully uh, rectified. Yes, and I think history is the best indicator of what the future is going to be as far as these cycles go. And it's part of what uh, people have to look at. And of course, with when federal uh, legalization or rescheduling comes in in the U.S., it's going to change the industry uh, for the better. Um, across insurance as well as, of course, for the cannabis industry as a whole. Let's come back after the break on to a little bit more about uh, some of the difference across the 50 states and some of your other activities in the industry. We'll be coming back with Jeff Samuels in a minute, and I'm Richard Zwicky with The Green Peak. The Green Peak will climb back into your the podcast National Cannabis Industry Association presents the 2020 Cannabis Caucus Event Series from March 10th through March 26th. Don't miss this exclusive opportunity for NCIA members to network, learn about regional issues from influential guest speakers, and get the latest news about NCIA's federal policy work and emerging topics. Look for this year's only tour of Cannabis Caucus events coming to Portland, Denver, St. Louis, Detroit, Chicago, Newark, Sacramento, and Los Angeles this March. Stay connected, get informed, and take action to protect our industry and your business. Register now for your complimentary tickets at thecannabisindustry.org slash events. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put different celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is him pink, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint Business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Welcome to Cannabis Confidential. I'm your host, Dr. Dina. We've got David Faustino on the line. Bud Bundy from Married with Children. 
Did you feel nervous being a celebrity walking into a weed store? I don't remember it all being like, ooh, I'm scared someone's going to take my picture here. What are they going to say? Bud Bundy smokes Bud? I mean, come on. (laughs) (laughs) It wouldn't be a big shocker. Hey, this is David Faustino, and I'm on Cannabis Confidential with my girl, Dr. Dina, on CannabisRadio.com. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success, Cannabis Radio is back with more of The Green Peak. Welcome back. I'm Richard Zwicky with The Green Peak, and on with us today again is Jeff Samuels with Mbroker. And Jeff, one of the other things you're involved in, of course, is Hillview. Um, which is a uh, cannabis and hemp company based in Lincoln Park, New Jersey. And tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, Hillview, it's, it's been an interesting uh, ride with that one, but essentially from, from just doing the insurance work for years uh, and studying different markets, I, I live in New York City. Um, you know, I saw Jersey was uh, in 2018 um, about to issue new licenses. And so conversation kind of went from, I work in insurance. I'm interested in this space to um, being part and kind of founding a team uh, with a legacy family that has a history uh, with Dutch agriculture in New Jersey going back 50 years. Um, They're also an Embroker client, which has been awesome to be able to to cross pollinate. And obviously, you know, my work started uh, on the risk management side with the business. Um, And that's actually one of of the companies I I wanted to talk about just in terms of, for sure, you know, pivoting their business model during these times. Uh, and so one of the most interesting things that, that Hillview has, has been able to do is essentially use um, their chain and, and supply chain of, of produce and uh, different family members up and down the East Coast. And so the, the Dutch families, a lot of them um, have an, a background in agriculture and, and greenhouse agriculture. And so they've, they've pivoted and, and we've pivoted Hillview from producing and, um, you know, we're in the midst of um, licensing in New Jersey for cultivation. And they basically put a pause on some hemp products and other things they were doing uh, to sell produce uh, direct to consumers uh, within the New Jersey metro area. Um, So it's been really interesting. Um, And I think another thing that is kind of telling with you know, what's going on with, with new, you know, private companies in cannabis that are maybe in the licensing period, which is where Hillview's sitting, licensing in New Jersey's on a pause. And so instead of sitting there on farmland and sitting there on a, a supply chain that was already existing, um, they were able to pivot the business and help people and, and bring, you know, fresh produce direct to people's doors um, in New Jersey, which has been really interesting. Um, and on the Embroker side, again, really uh, challenging and, and kind of an interesting project for us to be able to pivot their insurance and look at how this changes their business model and their risk analysis. Um, so... Yeah, there's going to be a huge shift in distribution models um, also as people's behavioral changes so rapidly in, in the context of everything that's going on in uh, this year. But, you know, that brings up an interesting point. I mean, you started this because you'd seen so many things going on and you applied, you know, your understanding of a gap in the market. Now, as you look across all the states and all the companies you deal in, you must see a couple of other areas that you'd say I, you can see some gaps in the market that need to be addressed what are a couple of them? What are, you know, maybe your top two that you look at and go, hey, I can see from, you know, dealing with all these companies from an insurance perspective and just getting to understand what they're doing. There's a couple of gaps that need to be filled. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think with with any crisis, 
Um, it's a time where entrepreneurs and people with creative minds are able to find those gaps. Um, so distribution, as we were just mentioning, obviously um, there's companies that are already doing it, adding technology to the distribution to create efficiencies. I think we'll see more of that. Um, anything that is direct to consumer, whether it's brands delivering direct to them or even just being able to educate the consumer as they're ordering online. Um, so maybe some added customer service or ways to help people um, figure out what they're buying if they are getting it direct to their doorstep. Um, but yeah, I, I think the biggest one right now is distribution and looking at, you know, direct to consumer. Um, and I'm sure after this, we'll see a lot of creative entrepreneurship coming out with new business models to attack it. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to see that as well. Oh, absolutely. And I know it's going to bring forward new uh, new questions on consumer confidence as you have delivery to the door, as opposed to in, on site, they're going to have different questions that consumers want to have uh, reassurance around. And that's going to be not just an insurance question, that's going to be a question for the industry as a whole that's got to be a, going to be addressed. But, um, you know, before we go, for companies that are in the space, doesn't matter what aspect of the, of the, uh, the industry, you know, if they need and they have questions and are looking at their current coverage and packages, how do they get in touch with you or, uh, you know, or somebody and who do you recommend they contact and how? Absolutely. Um, Broker obviously is a, a great website, uh, put a ton of time and money into it. So I'd say check out the website. There's a cannabis tab right on uh, under the, the categories. Uh, my email is jeff.samuels at mbroker.com. So please feel free to reach out at any point. And I think, you know, it's important to stress, uh, especially during these times, insurance is not just uh, a bunch of people trying to, to force policies. And especially with how we are set up at Mbroker, we're here to consult. We're here to help businesses, especially early stage businesses, set up a plan for long term. Uh, and so right now, a lot of what we're doing is really just conversations, creating relationships, showing our, our knowledge of the business. Obviously, there's a lot of technology um, that we bring to the table. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's not so much about buying the policies now, but I think it's about planning long term uh, and being able to figure out how can we save time? How can we save money? Uh, and I believe and, and our team believes that their technology and the human capital is able to do that. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I, I look at insurance and it's like downside protection as an investor. You're looking for Everybody plans for the best of times, but what happens when there's a problem? And when you're preparing for that, you're also forced to do your diligence on, do you have all the systems in place? And you're getting a really great independent set of eyes reviewing what you're doing and how you're doing it so that you have best practices. And that's critically important for businesses as a whole. So Jeff, this has been really interesting. I want to thank you for joining us today and for our listeners for tuning in. I uh, look forward to speaking to everybody again next week. But Jeff, thank you very much. Thank you for the time, Richard, and everybody stay safe and healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Have a wonderful day. Thanks, guys. All right. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.